Oh, control your mind, control your life. Think different theory, baby. That's what we do. All right, guys, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of Think Different Theory. My name is Josh Forty, and today, today, today is probably one of the most, uh, one of the interviews that I've been looking forward to most for a long time. Um, we're going to be bringing on probably my biggest critic, I would say, Justin Marshall, um, who many of you guys know uh, from my Facebook feed and whatnot, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to do that much of an intro. I'm going to kind of let him introduce himself here. But for those of you that don't know, uh, Justin Marshall and I probably have about of a, as opposing views as we can possibly get on a lot of issues. And uh, we're going to be kind of just going back and forth and discussing backgrounds and conclusions and Democrat versus Republican and liberal versus conservative. And I'm sure there'll be some religious talk. I'm sure there'll be politics talk. I'm not sure where, where, where all we'll get into, but it's going to be a really, really good episode today. So without further ado, we're going to bring him on. Justin Marshall, man, thank you for coming on. Welcome to Think Different Theory. Yeah, man. How are you? Uh, I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, congrats on your recent wedding. I hope that was fun and you enjoyed your uh, honeymoon. It was a blast, man. I appreciate it. We had we were blast. <laughs> we were out for about two weeks. Uh, got married down in Cancun and then had a great, great honeymoon down in uh, the Virgin Islands. So it was it was a blast. Amazing, cool. So thank you. So tell, yeah. me, tell me how you want to kick this off. What do you want to talk about today? Well, first off, I gotta congratulate or I gotta I gotta give you props because I've I've interviewed a lot of people and I've I've asked a lot of people with opposing views to come on to the show. And uh, most of them turn me down. Like there are very really? few. Yeah, surprisingly, <laughs> I, I would say, um, I mean, both men and women, people of color, people, you know, people not of color, like all, 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 all backgrounds. And I would say 80% of them or more uh, turn me down <laughs> uh, and say they don't want to get on and discuss anything. So I, I give you mad props because I don't think there's anybody that uh, my audience knows that disagrees with me more than, <laughs> than probably you. So that was awesome. Um, I think though, what I'd love to do is just kind of, I want to turn it over to you to kind of go into your background a little bit. Sure. And I'm sure, I'm not sure the direction we'll end up taking this, you know, we'll let the conversation goes where it goes, but I think it's important. Yeah. And where I want to start the conversation is I think that you and I have such radically different backgrounds and we come and, and we approach the world from such a radically different point of view that I would love to really use this to kind of allow you to introduce yourself and kind of go into your background and your backstory of how you got to where you're at, what you do, and, um, you know, kind of give a little, you know, introduction. And and once again, for those of you that don't know, this is the same Justin Marshall that is always in my post. We're arguing back and forth all the time. So Justin, I think just pick it up with kind of your background there and we'll go from there. Yeah, for sure. I think that's important, too, because I think that's one of the things that's kind of the cornerstone of my, of my belief system is that um, how you're raised, where you've lived, who you're friends with, what books you've read, what movies you've seen um, are a huge contributing factor into your beliefs and morals and politics, as opposed to, uh, you know, ascertaining some truth about the universe. I think it's a lot of it's about um, just the beliefs that we involuntarily hold, um, you know, based on what's happened to us in our life. So for me, and the other reason I think I have, you know, that I'm even interested in talking to conservative folks when, like you said, most people like me wouldn't be, um, is because I have a lot of conservative friends, both because of my um, living in Nashville for a long time, and also because <clears throat> I own a digital marketing agency. And so, as you know, a lot of the people in this community are sort of um, more conservative, right-leaning libertarians, I find, most of the time. Um, so I was born in Southern California. Um, I'm 36. So born in Southern California and lived there until I was 13. Um, and then my parents moved to Nashville or 
Brentwood, Tennessee, which is like a upper middle class suburb of Nashville. And um, that was like a huge culture shock for me, like huge. Um, like I was wearing Vans my first day of school and somebody said, what are you, a skater or a queer? And I said, <laughs> I'm a 13 year old, I don't know. Um, so I hated, I hated living there. Well, I mean, you know, I had friends and I, you know, good life, but I did not like living there so much. So I kind of escaped as quick as possible. I played hockey. So I uh, went to a boarding school uh, my junior year of high school in Minnesota for hockey players called Shattuck St. Mary's. Um, then stayed in Minneapolis and played Division Three hockey at a uh, private Christian Baptist school in St. Paul, Minnesota that my dad wow. went to. Um, and then finished there. Um, my last year, I studied abroad at Oxford studying um, early Christian church history and Christian philosophy. Um, then I went to graduate school. I majored in philosophy, sorry, in political science in undergrad. <clears throat> in undergrad. And then uh, I went to grad school. I went to George Mason in D.C., got my master's in philosophy. Uh, moving to D.C. was another huge change for me because I had grown up in, like, majority white upper middle class suburbs my whole life. My boarding school had, like, one black person. My public high school had, like, three black people. Uh, and then I lived in D.C., which is, like... Uh, my neighborhood, at least Petworth, was like at least 80% black. Um, while I was in grad school, I worked <clears throat> and managed fine dining restaurants and bars um, in the city, and the clientele was predominantly black. Um, so I think that I got kind of like a racial education that I could have never gotten otherwise just by being around such diverse communities. And um, I attest those years in D.C., nine years. I live in New York now, but I I've only been here three years, uh, but the nine years I was in DC, um, <clears throat> I, I I give all of kind of like my racial education uh, props there, people I met, and then obviously doing a lot of reading and stuff since then. And last year, BLM kind of <clears throat> reawoken me to you know go back and read that Baldwin and that MLK and stuff that I hadn't been reading. Um, so yeah, then I then I. Uh, after I finished my master's program there, I applied to a bunch of PhD programs. Um, but PhD programs of philosophy are like terribly hard to get into. They only let three to five out of like 500 applicants each oh, year for top schools. So the only ones I got into were Southern Illinois and Texas A&M. But I decided not to do that because um, I didn't want to move to a small city. And also the job market was just so bad. Um, talking to all my friends that had getting their, gotten their PhDs or were just completing them just said, hey, if you have another route, don't do it. You'll just end up making 40 grand as an adjunct professor and not know if you have a job next semester. Uh, so I heeded their suggestions and I didn't get into where I wanted to anyways. I wanted to go to Vanderbilt, Fordham, New School, um, uh, St. Louis, Missouri, Oregon, or Emory, and I didn't get at any of those. Um, so yeah, I just decided I needed to make money. So I looked around and I had been like bartending and waiting tables and fine dining restaurants in DC while I was in grad school and always was kind of like a trusted employee there. So um, I ended up taking like an online course. I think I took, I think I took Ramit Sethi's course about freelancing or something. Nice. And, uh, and then I pitched uh, the restaurant group I was working for on like being their social media manager because they'd never done that before. 
And uh, yeah, that was the first time I started making like um, money on the side as a consultant. And um, that led to me managing this kind of like restaurant group for a while or a couple of different restaurants in the restaurant group. Um, I managed a French restaurant called Shea Billy in DC. And then uh, this place called Marvin, which is like one of the oldest, like institution biggest uh, bars and clubs there. Um, so I did that for a while, um, which was fine. I enjoyed it, met a lot of people, um, but working in nightlife is not for me. I prefer to go to restaurants and bars than to work in them. Yeah. So, uh, same. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I just looked around. I mean, restaurants, great. I owe a lot of credit to the restaurant industry that got me through school, allowed me to, you know, do what I want to do and live a decent life while I was in school. <clears throat> um, but for long term, wasn't the healthiest thing for me. So I had already done this uh, social media stuff. I've been like learning about Facebook and Instagram ads. And um, through the restaurant, I knew a woman who had a notebook company in D.C. Um, they were already selling in Nordstrom and some other places. And so I asked her if I could uh, try what I've been learning uh, with Facebook and Instagram ads on her uh, business. And she said, yeah, and paid me like some super marginal fee, like 500 bucks a month or something. And they sold like a, like way more notebooks over their Christmas uh, season than normal. And she started referring me to other people. Other people started referring me to other people. And now it's like five years later and I've never run a paid ad or done anything, but um, still- For your business. What's that? For, to get clients for your business? That's right, for my business. Yeah, yeah. that's what we do for all of our clients, obviously. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> no, my business has just been 100% referrals ever since. Um, and you've been in this for how long, you said? Uh, five years, I guess. Five years or so? Yeah. yeah. I, I I mean, I moved here right after I quit. Uh, so like 2015, 2016 timeframe? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it was funny. Like when I started this business, a lot of my entrepreneur friends were like, you got to quit your full-time job. You need to have your back up against the wall so that you're motivated. Right. And I was like, no, bro, I'm going to keep my job until I'm making more money on the side hustle before I yeah. quit the main hustle. Yeah. So that's what I did. So three years ago, I guess I quit the main hustle and, uh, and moved to New York. Um, so now I live in Brooklyn and, uh, still running the agency. I only have two and a half employees essentially. Um, but we have 10 clients in the luxury e-commerce space and, uh, you know, do close to six figures in, in revenue a month. And, um, yeah, it's great. So awesome. So that's, that's what I do now. I don't really have, I actually surprised myself that I don't have as much motivation to grow it as I thought I would. I, you know, when I first started this, I dreamt of having like 30 clients and now that seems like a nightmare every time. Yeah, I Yeah, but dude, you got way too busy commenting on my post to get any more clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's actually funny. Like it would seem like I'm spending all this time on your thing, but like I'm a busy dude and a social dude. And I, to me, it just it doesn't feel like I spend that much time. Because what happened? I, I know what you mean. Well, what happens is I don't know how it happened. I didn't sign up for it. I don't have any notifications on my phone, but I get a notification every time you post. That's why I do Wait, it. Wait, like actually like pops up on your phone? Yeah, Josh Fortune. Oh, I feel special. On Facebook. That's awesome. But the algorithm, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't do that. I definitely didn't turn that on. Um, so yeah, I see when you post. So that's why I just pop in and do a little. Yeah. And so like you are on my post more than anybody else for sure. But like whenever everyone's like, don't you have a life? I'm like, I mean, that's kind of a lame, lame argument back because like, I'm like, I spend just as much time. As <laughs> I mean, I spend like six hours a day on Facebook. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, yeah. I got, I got plenty going on in life and, uh, you know, you okay. Get, you get about 30 minutes a day, maybe. Perfect. So <laughs> I got a question for you then. I want to kind of dive into this. 
Yeah. I listened to, so you had me listen to a podcast beforehand. I actually listened to it all the way through, and then I oh, went back okay. and listened to certain parts. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was very interesting. That was on live, too. So there's a couple things I probably would have said differently. But overall, I think it's a good, probably a good overview. Of kind I, of I think so. And I want to explain this because um, this, and this is where I think we really get into kind of the meat of the discussion here. And now that we kind of have a little bit of your background, I'm sure a lot, a lot of your background is going to come up because like I, you know, I live and breathe personal responsibility and that everything is your fault and everything's your responsibility and that yeah. like your life is the sum of your actions type deal right like that's yeah. kind of more or less very very much summarized uh my <clears throat> viewpoint on on how one should live and then when it comes to values and when it comes to truth if you will i i believe that there is uh a divine moral law giver right that has set at least some i don't think it's a lot i think people think i think it's more than a lot but at least some guidance for right and wrong and how to live right i think there's a lot more gray area and probably i even let on but i do believe in absolutes and uh, even if that is just you know a couple of them um and i believe that there in order for there to be an absolute there must be someone that created that absolute which we're going to refer to as god in the very loose sense because even though i am a christian and i do believe in the god of the bible i, I believe that that god is very different than than let's say a lot of Christians do. So in summary, that would be kind of my viewpoint on things. And so that comes out in my politics. What I want to understand is where you, cause it, correct me if I'm wrong here, what it sounded like according to your podcast and fill people in and give people a summary as I did as well, is that you're essentially saying, Hey, there's no absolute, there's no, there's no absolute truth as far as absolute way to live, absolute right and wrong. And that perception or that that truth or that doing good or that the way that one lives should or should live is primarily made up of their uh, experiences in life, be that the culture that they grew up in, the books that they've read, the people that they hang around, like you said, the movies that they watch, the, you know, the society that they've been exposed to. Yeah. Is that, so like explain that because I don't get that. I mean, I do, but explain that. Okay, so I think that people's views are... <clears throat> and views and beliefs are the result of all those things. But that's not to say that they're just accidental or subconscious because we also obviously have control of which books to read. And if we read a new book, that changes our mind, that encourages us to read another book. So I think that like free will determinism thing as a, as a dualism, as a binary, we have to choose one or the other is just a vast oversimplification. And I think that right. most of the time when things are either or, it's a vast simplification because life is usually a lot more complicated than that. So um, I do think that our beliefs are kind of, you know, formed by a lot of things in our past. Um, I think that where I would, um, okay, sorry, you said a lot. So I think one of the things I would disagree with you on when you talk about personal responsibility, everything is up to you, blah, 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 is that I think that we live in a very interconnected world. And I think that we all affect one another. And I think that we're creatures of habit. <clears throat> Obviously, we have free will, but a lot of our you know, patterns and stuff are habitual. And I think that our patterns are, are created from our environments, much like our beliefs are affected by the stuff we read and who we talk to. And so what William James says is that the heart of virtue is realizing that we are habit-forming creatures in relationship with our environment, but we constitute other people's environments. So, you know, you like to say that, you know, you, you've done everything yourself. You haven't taken any money from your family or whatever, but like you were raised by your parents. Yeah. You know, they paid for you for a while. You know, um, there's always a story of, I was thinking this morning, like, um, 
I saw Snoop Dogg on some like award show. He said like, I'd like to thank myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like a joke because everyone knows that every successful person has a ton of people behind them that help them. You know, their parents, their friends, their family, their business mentors. Even if you have a business coach or a mindset coach, you're still fortunate enough to have had that, that you know, opportunity to work with that person. And that's just not 100% your free will. That's your free will seeking somebody out to help you, you know, how you even heard about mindset coaching to begin with. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe that was an accident. Um, maybe you started from a blank slate of nothing and you just Googled your way into, you know, whatever entrepreneurship. But, um, you know, like my first thing, I saw a random Ramit Sethi ad. And had I never seen that, who knows what, where I would be right now. Um, or if the woman but with like, the, but like, with the notebook company never walked into my bar, who knows if I would have started my company the way I did. So I take, you know, I work my ass off and I take full response, not full. I take a lot of responsibility for my success, but um, to say it's just me, um, I think is a vast oversimplification. And I think it undermines how interconnected we are, how much we affect other people um, and how many other people are uh, at least partially responsible for our success or even our failure. Okay. So, but, but let's dive into that a little bit further then. So like you're saying like, okay, yeah, it's a random ad that you saw, or you happen to be next to that person or whatever. And I'm saying like, you, you're assuming that that's chance and you're here. I, I believe, and I, I, it sounds like you and I would agree on this, that we're all very, very interconnected. Right. I mean, I have a shirt on that, you know, would, would venture to, you know, say that I have, have gone and, and studied some things when it comes to, you know, whether that be quantum physics or psychedelics or just understanding the meaning of, you know, of life and how it all interconnects. Like, I believe that we're all connected and that it's all an energy. We're all really just energy fields. Right. Uh -huh. And so I look at that and I go, because we're all connected and because I have the ability, my actions, either positive or negative, conscious or subconscious, my actions affect everyone around me and people I don't even realize that are around me it affects, right? My energy and whatnot. If I choose and if I'm very intentional about something, then that is going to shift what is around me because I'm going to start to attract certain <laughs> things and repel certain things. And so like you saw that ad because at some point you and your life expressed interest in something that would have made in, in this case, I think the algorithm of Facebook pretty closely reflects human nature in a lot of ways. Maybe. And, I mean, yeah. I'm not going to give Ramit Sethi's uh, targeting person, uh, you know, so much credit. Like, I think it's probably more likely his targeting than the law of attraction. But, you know, maybe. On. But like, but, but like who you became and the targeting, mm -hmm. the type of person that you were there, like it all affects everything. And so what I'm trying to understand is like, to me, and I'm going to, I want to push on your belief and then push on mine. But like, I look at your logic and I feel like it's flawed and I feel like it's flawed because it's like, okay, look, you're saying that we all affect everybody. And you're yeah. saying that our actions are, we're all very interconnected. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I agree with that. So if we know that, then we know that the actions that we take and what we choose is going to attract or repel certain things. Right. And so I look at that and I go, cool. I didn't know Russell Brunson when I first started. I didn't know, you know, a lot of the things, but like as I went down this path of like, you know what, I'm gonna take personal responsibility for my life. I became more and more and more ingrained into that. And more and more opportunities came up because that's what I was focused on. And mm -hmm. so I look at you and 
what I what I hear you say so much, and maybe this is a vast misinterpretation, but like what I hear you say so much is like, hey, like people have a lot less control over their opportunities and circumstances than you give them credit for, Josh. And I'm like, I think that you are born into a circumstance that you cannot choose. But once you develop into a, a functioning adult that is able to make decisions, like your actions and your decisions and how you think directly, directly affect your environment. They directly infect your friends. They directly infect your decision-making. They directly affect all those different things. And so if you want to have a different life, you simply change it and the opportunities will show up. But things you say that you're born, the situation you're born into, you can't choose. There's things that you can't choose that continue to happen your whole life. Maybe you get sick. Maybe you get older. Maybe you're in an abusive relationship. Maybe you start to have a mental health problem. Maybe you get fired from your job unexpectedly. There are things all throughout your life that are going to continue to happen that are totally out of your control. And I think that you overestimate how many things are in your control. I mean, it's, it goes back to the serenity prayer, right? Like, God, give me the whatever wisdom to accept the things I cannot and to change the things I can. Um, because there's a lot of things in life that you can change. And there's a lot of things in life that you can't change. And I think that, again, it's not one or the other. The story isn't we're hundred percent responsible or we're hundred percent irresponsible. It's that life is super complicated and there's a lot going on. See, you could tell, I could tell two stories <clears throat> of my past and they would both be accurate. One would be, Oh, I saw this random ad. Then I this I saw this lady, and then my other friend encouraged me to do this, and dozens and hundreds of touch points of things that were out of my control that led me to where I am today. Or I could give the other story, which is <clears throat> I went to grad school. I I worked my ass off in restaurants and came home every night at one a.m. and watched online courses till three a.m. and got up early and you know, barely watched a movie for a year while I was starting my business. And I was so stressed out the whole time, but I kept pushing and pushing. And like that story would be true. Also, both stories are true. It's not one or the other. So I'm not, I'm obviously not discounting hard work. I mean, I tell everybody to work hard and take personal responsibility as much as they can. But I think that goes too far when you post things like poor people okay. deserve to be poor. I mean, I think that is just like, so I, I, think I that, went back I, and looked, I don't think I ever used that exact terminology and i said something and then you changed it in yeah. a comp in a comment or in a post <clears throat> in a post you said if you're rich you deserve to be rich if you're poor you deserve to be poor or even worse than that would be like kanye saying 200 years of slavery is a choice Was it choice you know i, I think, think that's but, I, but i believe that if you stay poor and and i'll have to go back and 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 do, do look at the post but like if you stay poor your whole life that is your fault though it was before that. Then the next week you made one that was a little more subtle. And I said, congratulations on slightly, slightly more nuanced because you said, if you're poor, it's not your fault. But if you stay poor, it's your fault, which I also find gross. Um, but why though? But why? So like, let's talk about because that. Every like, time, because, because people will always come up with an example and you say, what about a single mother that is an abusive relationship has to, you know, elite, leave her house. You go, okay, well, I... I understand that might be a little bit different. Or when people bring up mental health issues, no, I mean, oh, I understand that's a little different. But no, mental health issues are different. If you are, if you are physically, uh, mentally disabled, then 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 yes, a hundred percent. Mental health or mentally disabled. If you have a, if you have a, a a actual mental barrier that prevents you, like if you have Down syndrome or you have a a legitimate mental disease that that bars you from making good decisions, like you literally do not have the cognitive ability to make decisions like an actual mental disease what that is depression different. or anxiety or trauma That's, you have the ability to overcome that 
Right. But it, right. But it's more difficult than someone that may not have those things. And you make it sound like everybody's working from an equal playing field where you're but, equally responsible to pull yourself up, whether you are there, an abused single mother escaping their house or whether you're somebody with severe manic depression or so, like I was reading, I just got, I don't know where it is. I just got that book. The body is a score or whatever. And in the first chapter, it has all these stats on, do you know, like one out of five adult women um, report, you know, being sexually assaulted or abused in the United States and, and slightly less for men. So like when you talk about these issues, like the single mother that was in an abusive relationship or somebody with like severe mental health problems, these aren't outlying things. America has produced a ton of that. Okay, but let's take that example right there. The example of single mother in an abusive relationship, okay? <clears throat> I look at the world in the fashion of this. There is reality. And you can either pretend that that reality doesn't exist and you can pretend that you don't have the ability to go and change it and you are going to live in misery. And you know what? You're going to stay in that abusive relationship. You're going to stay you know, a single mother. You're going to stay poor. You're going to stay right where you are and you're going to wait your entire life for the government to come along and help you. Or you're going to wait your entire life for someone to come along and like act like, oh, you know what? Like here, let me help you. Or you can say, you know what? This shit is hard right? It is, right? That is a terrible situation to be in, but that's my reality right now. And my reality is, is that I can either stay where I'm at right now, or I can make a decision to go and change. And you know what? It's going to be hard. It's going to suck, right? I'm going to be poor for a while. I might rack up some debt. I might have to run and flee away from my abusive relationship, but guess what? Then I'm away from the abusive relationship. And you read David Goggins book. That's a, he's a black dude, right? So like the whole race card, like he had everything. Have you read can't, can't hurt me. You should no. read the book. It's incredible. It's from a, well, I mean, we're talking about the most horrible situation. He living in an in insanely racist being called the N word constantly. Like, I mean, horrible, horrible, horrible. Listen, Josh, we love these books. We love these rags to riches story. That's the reason every shitty uh, entrepreneur selling a, selling a mindset course always has some like backstory because we love those stories. Everybody about has that story though. I saw I saw Tony Robbins' son talk about how he was broke six months ago. Me and my dad got free tickets to Tony Robbins last year. It was the worst thing I've ever been to, by the way. I hated that thing. But but here, first of all, to your point. So I think that my problem is that yes, if I was if I was meeting one on one, if I was friends with or neighbors with or mentoring or someone that woman in an abusive relationship, that's what I would focus on. I would focus on what she can do. But at the same time, in another context. I would focus on the political problems of how to help people like her. And what I don't like about this hyper individualism thing is it turns every societal problem into a personal problem. But I'm um, saying you don't wages, solve wages are stagnated. Oh, we can't talk about that because you just need to get a better job or work harder. Well, why can't we talk? Why can't we have two perspectives? Like, um, and I forget that's what the BLM guy that you, I forget his name, that you interviewed one time. That's what he said. He said, Josh, he, yeah, he said, Josh, if I'm mentoring somebody, I'm going to talk about personal responsibility. But if I'm going to a city council meeting or talking about something in government, I'm going to talk about systemic injustice and how to make things better. They're two different. Uh, it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be one or the other. They're two different perspectives and different contexts have uh, different uses for that. But what I hear you and a lot of other people, like you say, is that, oh, you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Otherwise, the alternative is just waiting for the government to take care of you. First of all, I don't think that's the choice. And second of all, I don't equate having better social programs with waiting around for the government to take care of you. I just think it's 
more but, humane, humane. And my humanity in that comes from empathy, from a lot of experience with poor people. And I think that when you say stuff about poor people deserving to be poor, um, I don't know. I don't know how much experience okay, you have. So give me, give me an people. example of a government program that has has a proven track record of lifting people out of poverty. I mean, there's way more. I mean, we rank like 36th in the world in terms of upward mobility and all the Scandinavian countries are ahead of us. So I think having some type of social safety net where you can maybe start a business and know that if you fail, you're not going to be racked with, you know, medical debt. So, you know, say we had free healthcare, for example, um, you know, you could start a business if you live in Sweden and know that if your business fails and it bankrupts, you're not personally bankrupt and your family is still going to be able to get treated if they get sick. Whereas here, there are tons of people that go bankrupt with medical debt because they didn't have insurance because they couldn't afford it or their employer didn't have it. But, I, but I'm asking, like, what, where's any, what is, where's any government program in the United States of America right now that has consistently lifted people out of poverty? Like has any form of track record that has helped people out of poverty? Not people in poverty staying in poverty, but actually lifted them out of poverty. Sure. The New Deal after World War II, all the public work infrastructure programs, um, lots of stuff like that, you know? L lifted people out of poverty. Yes. A lot of people were poor after the Depression, after World War II, and, um, and, and FDR implemented the New Deal and put, you know, I don't know the numbers, but millions of people back to work that didn't have a job because there were no jobs. And so, so the, the, the job was the one that lifted people out of work, people getting good jobs, public jobs provided by the government to build infrastructure. The government created a public works program and hired millions of people to build all the bridges and tunnels and stuff that we see today. And that was largely responsible for bringing us out of um, the Great Depression. So first off, I'm, I will have to look into the specifics and details of it. But secondly, you told me that the government program was a job. Like that's not a like it might be a government job, but that's not a government program. The government created the program. They created the jobs. They used government money to pay the people in those jobs. So call it what you want, but that's a good example of how government doesn't have to mean government handout. I feel like you guys are always talking about it like welfare, like Ronald Reagan's welfare queen thing, where they're just like people sitting around smoking blunts, watching their big screen, getting government checks, laughing, which is just I'm not like, that happens. Very. A lot. I don't think it happens nearly as much as what are you Okay, we have we have the government. Let's talk about right now. Like the government is literally handing out free money for unemployed people on unemployment in COVID pay when we have a national freaking worker shortage. Like the government should be handing out zero, zero dollars right now. Everywhere I go, you can get you and you want to talk about higher pay. I can go to Walmart right now. They will hire me on the spot. Day, today, right now, I can start tonight for $18.50 an hour. That is over double, almost triple the minimum wage. And like, well, why are we giving out free money to those people? That's interesting. I didn't know they paid that much. I've also read a lot that a good chunk of, I don't know the percentage, but a, a, a decent, more percentage than you would think of Walmart employees have to be on government assistance and food stamps because they don't make a living wage. Eighteen fifty an hour, next door Walmart, $18 an hour, flipping hamburgers in Boulder right now, $18 an hour. Macy, starting pay, sixteen fifty an hour. Okay, you uh, also live in Boulder, Josh. You don't live in a Rust Belt state or some former you know, city that used to be an industrial city or a mining town. Like there are lots of places that are just not doing well. that don't have. So move to a place that does. You're like that's where you have no money and you want somebody to pick up their whole family and 
get a moving truck and buy a house in a more expensive place so they can have more job opportunities? How does that work? I'm saying that this is the core of our issue where we disagree, which is you think that the government should step in and be involved right now to help people when I'm saying there is insane amounts of opportunity right now across the country. I know people in on the West Coast, on the East Coast, in Texas, in Florida, in Oregon, in Washington, in Wisconsin, in New York, that would literally start people out at 15, 18, $20 an hour. And actually I have a guy who does solar. I think it's in Washington who like literally the starting pay is like 25 or $27 an hour. Can't find workers. So I'm like, yes, absolutely poor. There's plenty of places where that doesn't happen. You make it sound like anyone in America can walk out their door and get a $20 an hour job. Right now, literally anybody in America can get a $20 an hour job if they're willing to move. Literally anyone in America. Willing to move. That's the huge caveat. So you got a family, you got, four kids that you know well why is that a problem like because you're on no work because you don't have any money so how, and you're suggesting that they move the government is handing out free money i can go get a credit card like or i can go. so you're people saying that card. people that are poor have no opportunity and in an ability to move and i'm saying no. uh so because somebody's poor they don't have the ability to move across uh, the move to go get a new job i bet I you anything that. But like, I'm not saying they don't have the ability, Josh. I'm just saying that you make it sound easier than it is. Someone's no, lived. it's freaking hard. But yeah. what's your alternative option? Stay poor and broke for the rest of your life? Like, what I do you want to make your life better or not? What I find interesting is that you're you talk so much about not getting government handouts to individuals all the time, but you are silent on government handouts to big corporations, tax cuts for the rich, bailout. Tax cut is not a handout. Subsidies. Tax cut is not a handout. Josh, our corporate tax rate is lower than it's ever been. It used to be like in the mid 30. I mean, it's like it's plummeted since it plummeted in 2000. You can look it up. And like two, ever since 2009, it's plummeted. Before 2009, it was tell me what it was. Looks like you're Googling it. Yeah. Since 2009, it's been lower. Trump lowered it even more substantially. And then Biden raised it again, but even less than it was before Trump, Bush. So, and then, you know, we've got PPP loans. Like the Fed is literally printing money, giving it for free to mega banks. Like, well, by the way, I think that's stupid. But Josh, that's so much more money than they're giving out to people, individual people for some of these things that you're talking about. And But you never talk about that. So it's like my problem with right wing people is that it's like it's like socialism for the rich and rugged individualism for the working class. You know, um, the government works for large corporations and banks and bails them out every time they do something irresponsible, you know. The highest corporate tax rate was in 1968 when it was at 52%. Yeah, and it was like that for how long? Until like- Two years. Yeah, but significantly higher until like 2009. And now what is it? Uh, Currently, the current tax rate is at 21%. Right, so less than half of what it used to be. So, you know, the people but like, that, let's so take when, that. So when, we, so when the government hands out stuff, they're not handing out money from big corporations. They're basically redistributing money from the working class that's paying it. So my thing is that I want people to be consistent. If you're going to complain about the government giving handouts to individuals in the form of unemployment checks during a re- during a, a pandemic, then you should be equally critical about, you know, subsidies, um, bailouts. I, I um, disagree with every single one of them. I think all the airline companies should have gone bankrupt. I never think heard any corporations. And I definitely never heard any Republicans in Congress say that. You guys act like it's like 
you know, this economy that we live in, you know, you know, Milton Friedman or, 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 you know, these people that talk about like in theory, like free market capitalism, we don't live in that. Okay. We don't live in a merchant society where everything is, you know, where there's competition and the cream rises to the top. Like, that's how we live. We live. Let's in pretend family. that Apple got subsidies from the government. I'm sure they do. In some, in they some, do. they all do, and they also oh. report no income, so they pay no, no taxes. Okay, that's ridiculous. They pay more in taxes than anybody on the planet because they have the most amount of employees. So they pay taxes in a different format. They just don't pay taxes on profits because they know how to put profits and reinvest them back into the company or shelter it in such a way that. Anytime that somebody doesn't pay taxes, you know why they're not paying taxes? Because the government said, hey, if you put your money here, because we want you to put your money here instead to incentivize right. whatever action they want to take, you don't have to pay taxes. You don't right. have to pay I'm taxes. Not that, I'm not I don't have to pay taxes. Nobody has legal. to pay taxes if you actually knew how to read the tax law, right? right. Like I have friends that yeah, pay so I have a problem with the tax law. I, I, I don't think it's fair that a the richest CEOs in the country, like did you see the ProPublica? So, yeah, and you know, by the way, I think it's stupid that that was leaked, but like, is that a big surprise to anybody? They're the rich. Well, it's not a surprise, but a lot of working class people don't understand that that's how it works, that you can make billions of dollars, and as long as you use that money to buy back more of your own stock and don't sell that stock, that you're not going to ever get taxed at an income. So you can get richer and richer and richer and richer and richer and still not be paying any taxes as an individual, right. you know, and- so I don't. And think my thing is, is look, the government's system. completely screwed. Why are we looking to the government to solve our problems? They haven't done anything that's ever good anyway. So why do we think that in the future we're going to have anything that's long term a sustainable a sustainable solution? So because, I go back to the example of the because oh, corporate America does look to the government to solve their problems. The banks do look to the government to solve their problems. It's all one thing. Ever since we, but they produce jobs. They like we as the American. Listen, I'm not defending big corporations. I think big corporations are crazy, crazy corrupt. The only thing I will say about big corporations is at least, and I say this incredibly hesitantly, knowing like I'm not defending their goal of of, of taking, I, I think bailouts to big corporations are wrong. I think the free market should be the free market. I think that the government should have left it collapsed. I didn't support the bailouts in 08 under Obama. I didn't support the bailouts under Trump, under the freaking, for the big- Well, that's the world we live in, Josh. And nobody in your party is fighting against it. And they won't. Nobody in the Democrats- or the Republicans will fight about it. Democrats. You're too. right because it's big donors and they're all bought off, which is why I like Trump. But anyway, right. neither here nor there. Okay. But here's the thing. So I look back to the whole thing at the bottom and I go, listen, we as individuals, if you're creating jobs, you're as a company, you are providing more positive, a net positive to the earth than me as an individual. Apple does more good for the world than I do. So the fact that maybe you can make an argument for that or you could not. They also exploit a lot of uh, terrible labor practices abroad. They contribute to a lot of um, 100%. We're talking about the the tax code issue. And you're talking about like wages. Wages have largely been stagnant for 40 years while CEO pay goes way, 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 way up. So it's not like this is an example of trickle down economy working well where we give a bailout to one of these big companies and we keep them alive because they're providing so much public good. A lot of times they just use that money to buy back their own stocks, get richer and richer, pay no stocks, pay no taxes on it, uh, while their employees are still all making you know 12 bucks an hour or whatever. But that, I mean, the, the issue with all of the, I mean, I'm not gonna argue that Apple is an ethical company. I'm sure they do horribly unethical things just as, as much as any other company does. But I'm coming back to the whole personal responsibility issue. When it comes to this per- individual person, and I'm saying, listen, we can look to the government 
to solve, solve that person's problem. We can look to the government to try to create an economy that is going to increase wages or that is going to foster a better, you know, healthcare system or is that going to do a better schooling system? Or we can say, you know what? The government sucks at everything that they do. Governments don't care about poor people. The government cares about propaganda. They don't care about actually educating people. They only care about furthering their power and control over people. So how do we go through and fi actually fix the problem in America or in the world today is you empower the individual and you say, this is, you have the ability to go and change this. It's not the government's job. It's not the government's fault. Like, yeah, the government's crappy. We all know that. Everybody that I know hates the government, right? With very few exceptions. So I come back and I go, abusive relationship, you're poor, or don't even take the abusive relationship aspect of things. Take the aspect of people that are just poor, that don't have a job, that's next door to their house. Oh, it's such an inconvenience that we live in the most technologically and abundant country in the history of the entire freaking world, where I literally have the ability to pack up my family in complete safety and drive them across the country to a place where there is a job, and I can get a job there without the fear of being eaten by a lion on the way or a bear or being just raided by, you know, whoever's the strongest is going to mow them all down with, with guns and loot all their stuff without being punished. I can travel in safely across America and get a job. And you're saying not everybody has that opportunity. And I'm like, everybody has that, that opportunity. Josh, they all have that opportunity. They just don't all have that wherewithal. I mean, there are a lot of people that don't even have like the emotional maturity or like social capital to even like pull something like that off or like know how to go about doing it. They don't know how to get a job. People are going monster.com. Like I have no idea. And what I think is interesting is that every time I talk about anything, you bring it back to the government. But the thing is most people on the left, they don't like the government either. And you make but it yet, their, their solution is more government spending and more government programs and more government getting involved in social issues. And I'm no, like, it's, it's, it's transitioning money spent from bailing out big corporations and from increasing the Pentagon budget to doing things like having better schools so that right now, you know, the quality of your school funding is based on the incomes in your zip code where you live. You don't choose where you're born. So you could be born into a great school or a super shitty school. Luckily, I was born in upper middle class suburbs. My public schools were always extremely well funded. Great. After I graduated college, I went and taught, I substitute taught in downtown Minneapolis. And these schools were so poorly funded. I mean, so poorly funded that they hired me with zero training to be a substitute teacher. Um, and, you know, these kids, like, as long as somebody didn't get in a fight in class, you are like basically, you know, you've had a successful class. And like, there's always like a couple kids that are like reading and taking it super seriously, but the rest of them are just like goofing off and barely paying attention. You know how much harder it is to come out of that environment? You know, I mean, it's just like so much harder. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's impossible. How is the government the solution? What? How is what is like the only solution that I hear from? I'm going to say you specifically here, and whether it's Bernie Sanders or any of my other leftist friends, the only solution that I hear proposed is use the government, use money from the government, you redirect allocations from the government. Then you're just hey, not listening. So I think what, what is a solution that does not involve government or government funding? So the Democratic Socialists in New York here have, and the Communist parties have mutual aid networks everywhere, which I participate in. So for example, down the street from my house here in Williamsburg, uh, there are a number of free refrigerators, say, give what you can, take what you need. And every day I go down there and check on it, see how much food is in there, help refill food, go buy more food to put it in, clean, whatever. Um, the Socialist Party is running the socialists are running all, all the mutual aid networks in New York. They have free tools. And, and they take no government funding. 
No. Heck no. Yeah, I was massively support that. I think that's a yes. great idea. Great. Or we have. This is what leftists are talking about. You make it sound like leftists are just talking about. And I'm talking about government. that too. I'm also talking about getting involved. Okay, so I do it. We have a free tool share, for example, in my neighborhood where people can go and for free, they can, it's like a tool library. You can rent a tool for free and take it and bring it back to do some like building project at your house, renovation project at your house. Like, cause I know a lot of people need to do renovation stuff, but they, they don't have power tools. They can't afford them. Or we have free libraries everywhere. Or we have, um, you know, what else is the mutual aid network doing? Or like, you know, a lot of leftists, what they're really talking about. I mean, Marx didn't even talk about the state. What he talks about is like organizing labor into unions so that the, that the workers themselves can demand more pay from their um, from their employers. But Republicans love bashing unions all the time. So it's like, you know, even when people on the left do do these things that have nothing to do with government, um, they oftentimes get squashed or, you know, people don't even know about it because you know the right it just criticizes the left all the time about government 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 whereas you know the democratic socialists in new york i don't really hear them talking about the government very much they're talking about how to help your neighbors and do mutual aid and yes i do think that the government should have um a more uh empathetic i guess social safety net so that i just think that as the richest country in the world um people shouldn't go bankrupt for medical debt they shouldn't die because they can't afford medical treatment. Um, they shouldn't be starving. I mean, I forget the no, percent okay. children that are starving right now is huge. So there's, you know, maybe free lunch programs or whatever. Um, public schools being funded so that even if you live in a low income neighborhood, you actually have the resources and the teachers and the quality of teachers and the supplies that you need to have a chance of going to college. Um you know, all these things. Yes, I think those things are important and the government has a role in them. I think it's not about spending more money or taking more taxes. I think it's about diverting the money that, I mean, forget taxes. We are printing money like mad and just giving it- It's just completely unsustainable. And giving it to banks and big corporations. And this is what the left is talking about. They talk about how we shouldn't be printing money. They talk about how we should be getting money out of politics. Who are you reading, Josh? What, what What left are you saying- um, what, what current sitting politician right now that is on the left? There are no politicians on the left. Barely. We have a couple people. You want Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, AOC, all like all of your, that's, people. It. No, that's it. That's about it. I mean, you got Ilhan Omar, a few more, but I don't agree with all those people on everything. But as far as like, there's not a, so other than Bernie, I don't really know if there's a socialist. Every in- single one of them is recommending printing more money, spending more money and like, how are you saying that they're not I don't advocating? Think, I don't think any, I don't know. You have to check me on it. I don't think Bernie Sanders says the Federal Reserve should necessarily, I mean, I don't know how he feels on deficits, but I don't, I don't hear as many people say the Federal Reserve should print more money and give it to individual people. I hear people saying the Federal Reserve should stop printing money just to prop up banks. The Democrats bank currently report. control the House, the Senate, and the White House. I'm not talking about Democrats. Every leftist I know is not a fan of the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. Everyone that I know of. There's not socialists, Democratic socialists, left libertarians. These people are not fans of the Democratic Party at all. We think the only way forward is to have a third party because they're both bought and paid for by large corporations at this point. I mean, Joe Biden increased the Pentagon budget. Right. And right. he is increased spending in like every single area he has a $10 trillion overhaul in the first six months of his. I remember when I was in college and I, and like, I, I almost got persuaded to become a conservative because 
they were all to all my friends that were conservatives in college were talking about the national debt and the deficit. And I thought that made sense. But I guess you guys gave up on that long ago. What? Republicans, they print money out of thin oh, air. They don't care I, about the I think everybody that I think it's all stupid. I'm mad at Trump for the amount of money that he spent. But my only saving grace with Trump is that I believe at least Trump spent money in ways that it, it actually gave us an ROI of cash flow back to where we'd actually make some of it back. Whereas like my problem is, is you don't you don't hand out free money. You just don't do it because you get in the habit of handing out free money. Then I then you train a society to be needy. If okay, I hand you twenty, why, if you're going to say that, then I want I would like to hear equal criticism as often of the government giving out free money to large corporations, banks, etc. Wall Street. That's what I want to hear about the Pentagon. You know, military contractors. Oh well, the mil I I 100 support the military. I think the United States always has to have the biggest military in the world because I think the second that the United States doesn't have the biggest military in the world, second you get you you want to. Like China now has the biggest Navy in the world. Okay. We're going to have some serious issues when a freaking China who actually does slave labor, who actually has no morals and laws, who actually commits mass genocide. Like we're talking about actual, they have the biggest military in the world. Imagine if they could wipe out the United States. Like you talk it's not just about having the strongest military. It's about the fact that we have an extremely bloated military budget that we don't need, that we could re-divert to more social programs. And the reason it's so expensive is not just the quantity of things they're buying, it's how expensive it is because it's how the system works. If you're a four-star general, you know, works in in the army, uh, when you retire, where do you think you go work? You go to Raytheon or you go to, you know, any of these big military contractors, and you already know the people in the military that sign off on how much stuff charges. So you charge $275,000 for a helmet for an F1 or whatever. Like this stuff is so overpriced. It's so ridiculous. And it's a revolving door of an old boys club of people who are in private industry and exactly. government. Exactly. Industrial complex and spend so much unnecessary money. And it's just a circle jerk of money. hundred percent. I absolutely agree with you hundred percent that the government is completely screwed, which is why I'm like, you know what? I, like my view of the government is that the government is broken, that the entire system needs to be brought down and we basically really need to restart. Not actually that extreme, but like basically. But you know what the fundamentals are of it? I believe that the government should say the F out of everybody's way, that the government should not take away money from people that are working and hand it to people that are not working. Like if you are a, a business owner, an entrepreneur, and you are providing jobs, you are providing value, you are actually contributing to the good of society versus somebody else who is not contributing to the good of society. Like, you know what? Like this sounds heartless, but if you're not contributing to the good of society, if you're not giving back and making things, you do not deserve free stuff, right? You just don't, right? Like if you want free stuff or if you want stuff, work for that stuff. And if you're not in a position to where you can go out and start a business and produce and give back fine, then get to a point where you can. And then a hundred percent of your focus and effort should be about getting into a position where you can like wealth and money and things should not be given to people for free. And listen, I am, I, you definitely point out a flaw in how I present my case against big businesses where I do not criticize the free money to big businesses as much as I should. There is absolutely a problem there. And I think if you did that, you would have a ton of stuff that you have overlapping ideas with, with leftists. But the problem is that everyone on the right has been brainwashed by Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens to think that people that talk about the left are trying to usher in some like totalitarian 
authoritarian communism or something. Okay, you know, well, if only yeah. that was only made worse by like QAnon and stuff, when really the most vocal socialists are out there, uh, you know, doing free fridges in their neighborhood. They're not trying to, you know, turn but, us. So let the them do that. I don't know a single. I don't know a single person that follows Ben Shapiro that would be against having a a, a club of people giving out free refrigerators and foods. I don't know a single person that would be against that. I bet the average Ben Shapiro reader doesn't realize that that's what leftists are actually doing. I mean, but I mean, you're I, saying that there's a difference between a leftist and a Democrat. Yeah. hundred, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So, cause I'm like the, like everything that you're saying, as far as like the Democrats are concerned, like they are ushering in exactly what Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens are talking about. No, I don't think that anyone is ushering in literally Joe Biden and AOC and Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. That is literally what they're doing. It's actually what in authoritarian communism is what they're doing. That is the direct, that is the give me some examples. Do you know what that is? The, the, the principles upon which they are, are, are bringing in where we're literally giving away free stuff and trying to take it away from actual working class. Listen, there's always going to be an elite class. That's corrupt. That in turns you into Navia. That doesn't turn you into China in no. any single, in any single culture in the history of mankind. There's always an elite corrupt. There's always, always. And the, it is impossible to get rid of. It will never happen. They will never go away. There will always be the people that are the corrupt people at the top that have power. 100%. That's impossible to get rid of. So let's look. Let's take that and go, okay, we want to keep that as small as possible. And we want everybody else to have uh, the ability to go out and make a great life. And so guess what? Guess who's getting taxed? When they're spending, when they're printing money, they're taking it out on the middle class, the people that are trying to make a good living for themselves, the people that are starting businesses, the people that are, you know, right. supporting taking taxes from the middle class and not, not enough from the big corporations because they don't get capital gains because they're just reinvesting all their money. That will never happen. There will always be like, listen, if you tax people in America, yeah, we get money out of politics. We used to not be able to have big corporations uh, donate money to political campaigns to the extent but, that they can do. Like, like Glass Eagle and Citizens United. Now it's almost unlimited what big corporations can do. So, no wonder we have a. But I'm saying, let's pretend you can take corporate tax right, and you're like, okay, fifty percent. What's mm -hmm. Apple gonna do? What's Amazon gonna do? Okay, we'll leave. We'll just headquarter our things elsewhere. Well, like there always is a loophole for the rich, and so what I'm saying is, is like you're you're acting like oh, the, like some other country is going to welcome them with open arms. Why do why do I have so many friends moving to Puerto Rico right now? Four percent taxes. Saint John Virgin Islands percentage points of taxes compared to this. Ireland, uh, other countries where they're literally the argument, the argument you said you were making is how Joe Biden is ushering in authoritarian communism. What I, I am saying is, is the, what they are bringing to the table is they are literally stripping people of freedoms, stripping people of choice, taxing them outrageous rates. These are their proposals, right? To come in to where you can't talk against the government. You have to be in alignment with what the government says and believes. How, you have how, to give your how can you not talk against the government? Cause you get, cause Facebook, uh, dings your posts. Not only does te big tech censor all the government, but there is law. There are literal lawsuits, thousands and thousands and thousands of lawsuits right now of doctors and and scientists and people that have spoken up against what the government is pushing when it comes to vaccines and when it comes to cures for COVID and when it comes to mass mandates and when it comes to all these different things. And the government is shutting it down, shutting it down, shutting it down, shutting it down. Like people are losing their medical licenses over this stuff. Hospitals are are go going. The government has their hand in everything. And I'm I saying, I read all the Snowden stuff. I wish people on the right would spend more time going through WikiLeaks than going through Q drops. But you know, I mean, I don't go through. I've never gone through anything QAnon or 
anything of that nature except when it comes to I absolutely 1000% believe that there is a sex pedophile ring of elites that run the world. 1 billion percent. All the evidence is there. We know it. Jeffrey Epstein, I've literally went down and I saw his island, right? Like it's there. It's all real. And like, so I don't yeah. know who those people are. I don't think it's Joe Biden that's raping children, right? But like there's doc well-documented evidence uh, in insane amounts that there is a that there is sex predators and a, a, a global pedophile ring, right? So well, outside of that, I think it's um, you know wealthy, mostly wealthy men, um, you know having sex with underage girls. I don't think it is uh, Hillary Clinton uh, killing a baby to drink their adrenochrome. I uh, which I don't think that either. I don't. I, I, I'm talking about your following, does Josh? Your following is super QAnon. Ever since you started doing hashtag Save the Children, I mean, I was talking to a woman on your post last night. She said, Trump let everything out in the open. And I said, what did you learn from Trump? And she said, well, I learned about the adrenochrome thing. And she just kept going on and on. And I talked to another woman. 100%. And there's crazies that follow every single major influencer in the history of the world. There's crazies that follow Jesus Christ. There's crazies that follow Hitler. There's crazies that followed Trump. There's crazies that follow Biden. There's crazies that follow Hillary. There's crazies that follow Ben Shapiro. There's crazies that follow me. Of course, there's going to be people that are crazy. I People think Trump's going to be reinstated in August. I don't think Trump's going to be reinstated in August. It's ridiculous, right? Like, but I mean, like, I mean, who knows? Uh, who knows what he's planning? But you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess I just don't see you criticize some of the crazier things that you're. Uh, but I will give you credit. You do disagree with people. Um, you do disagree with your own followers in the comment section, which I, which I appreciate. Um, so I don't think that all these things. Yes, well, I, hold, hold, I have. I have a question about this though, because I want to understand. I want to go back to this whole, like. I want you to paint me a picture of, I don't want to say your perfect world, but like your perfect world in a sense of like knowing what we, like what, what changes need to be made? Cause like my philosophy is like, yo, listen, um, the government owes you nothing except for your God given rights, which are when you're born, you have the ability to make your own decisions and you owe no man anything. Right? Like that's it. They don't, they don't, you don't deserve housing. You don't deserve food. You don't deserve healthcare. You don't deserve, that is all something that you have to go earn yourself and, and, and provide for yourself. And so my perfect world of government is that the government enforces like four things. The government is responsible from attacks against foreign enemies, attacks against domestic enemies, uh, enforcing of contracts and encouragement of economic growth. That's it. Right. I don't believe in any social programs. I don't believe the government should be involved in practically any other things. Like, well, that's like and Rand, you know, that's basically and Rand libertarianism. But as you get to start reading more libertarians like Nozick and stuff, they talk about externalities, which is the fact that even when the government does that, there's going to be a bunch of unintended consequences from people's actions. Like, say, a company, you know, does whatever they want because they can do it. And then they pollute a whole river that ruins the crops for an entire town three miles away and maybe more, whatever, you know, like that's something that needs to be considered and there are so many externalities like that that we need to have some way of of you know monitoring those and regulating those things so that a government can't just or a company can't just do whatever they want and uh you know pollute an entire community and screw a bunch of farmers or whatever so then maybe the government have to do some environmental regulations and then all these little things add up and i get that you know the government is inefficient and bureaucratic and whatever but i think that that's because we have a government that is working for corporate elites and not working for normal people. And I think it's because we have government and politics. I think that we need to have campaign finance reform. 
um, get money, get corporate money out of politics, have term limits. We need to have some more rules where you can't just get out of government or military and become a lobbyist very quickly. You know, you can't just retire from the military or Congress. And like, if you're in Congress and, and, and you're going to like, why are you going to vote against these big corporations when you know that uh, a $500,000 a year cushy board seat is yours as long as you play ball while you're in government? Like, that's just how it's going to happen. It's a revolving door. So those are my biggest concerns. Get those things out of the way and then have, you know, people actually democratically elected without any, um, you know, corporate money. And then hopefully we have some candidates that actually can improve the government and create one that actually works for people so that we can have things like healthcare, um, you know, public housing, people who need it to help people get back on their feet, um, you know, better schools, um, you know, just the basic things, the basic social safety nets that most developed countries in the world have. And I think it's so funny. I think it's so silly, this jump between that to authoritarian communism, where it's like Scandinavia is not, none of those countries are authoritarian communist states, nor will and they. What, and what, which of those countries have the insane, massive power that the United States has? None of them. I mean, if that's the goal, to be the biggest military power in the world and crush all No, what I'm saying is, is that when you are as insanely powerful and as the United States is, they're not you just... You have the resources to do at least the minimum that the rest of the developed world does. But where you and I disagree is you believe that the government should step in and actually do that, and I'm saying, no, they shouldn't. I think that they should leave the government. I believe that it is best trickle... I, I believe that if you took money... And instead of taxing money, you gave it to people and you, or, I mean, you left it in the people that actually produced its wallets, that the communities would be better off. I believe people are far, far, far more charitable than uh, we think. And that if they were, people were not struggling or worried about a massive tax bill. I mean, like, like I pay more in taxes than most people make in a year by a lot. Me too. Right. So like if I had all that money, like I give thousands and thousands of dollars to charity. Me too. Tens of thousands of dollars a year to charity, right? So like mm -hmm. if I had another 100 grand, 200 grand sitting in my bank account, do you think that my charitable donations would go up? But people don't do it, Josh. We have more child poverty than most developed countries in the world. We have a lower education. We rank lower on, on education in almost all um, subjects than most developed countries in the world are. I, I, I have a hard time believing that. that. Well, you make it sound like I would, I would take your argument that trickle down economics works if we were actually doing that well, but in so many measures of happiness and livelihood and safety, we're, we're not even close to the top of the list. Well, I that's, mean, well, that, I mean, that has everything to do with entertainment and, and literally being brainwashed by propaganda of the media. No, they have all that too. Um, no, like, they do. No, 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 no. index from 2020, we rank in upper mobility. We rank, I'll have to keep scrolling. I don't even see the United States. Um, oh, 21. No, that's the United Kingdom. We're 27. 27. You know, Denmark, Norway, Finland, Sweden, Iceland, Netherlands, Switzerland, Belgium, Austria, Luxembourg, Germany, France, Slovenia, Canada, Japan, Australia. All these countries have more people that work themselves out of poverty into a um, more sustainable middle class life. And a lot of times they do that because they have more opportunities, a lot of them provided by the government. And, you know, I just think that if, you know, I think the government needs to get better. I think getting rid of the government isn't the solution because A, it's not going to happen. Well, you know, no. like I'm sick, I'm sick of this like libertarian, like utopia, like, oh, we're going to get rid of the government and everyone's just going to be 
responsible. Well, for I never the think that. that I've never, I've never thought that we're actually going to be able to get rid of the government. But I think the closest thing to completely reforming the government was th literally throwing a hand grenade into the middle of it and blowing it all up. And that hand grenade was Donald freaking Trump. Well, uh, like, I if you look back at my Facebook post, I, I was the one against all my liberal friends saying, "Let's give this guy a chance." He says that he is going to, I think he's disgusting. I think he's fraudulent. I think he's a morally bad person. I think that he brings out the worst in people. I think he's a bad role model. I think that he is a terrible business person. I think he's a liar, a thief, and a cheat. But he said that he was going to drain the swamp of lobbyists in Washington and get corporate money out of politics, and he didn't do shit For in terms of that. He did none of it. He made it worse. He just he just started appointing people to positions that were, you know, just big corporate sit-ins and government positions plucking from corporate America. He was just as pro-rich and wealthy as anybody has ever. And been. we had the greatest economy in the history of the entire world under Donald Trump pre-COVID. I guess I don't even want to go there because I think it's silly to talk about. No, but we did. We yeah, absolutely, yeah, but, undeniable, um, completely, one hundred percent, absolute fact. It's the greatest economy in history. We talk history about of the world. logic. Logic. One of the one of the keys of logic is knowing the difference between correlation and causation. Donald Trump may have been president during a super strong economy. Is that super strong economy caused by Donald Trump? Who knows? You can make the argument that he was on the upswing from the end of Obama too. Like, it's not, it's not like he it's not like he inherited. Uh, a terrible economy and turned it around you know similarly you talk you give him credit for like not starting any new wars well he in, he continued all the current wars we have and dropped more bombs than obama did so it's like you know you gotta, gotta put these things in context no he withdrew hard. troops and signed peace treaties that have people said were impossible for decades and six days into the Joe Biden administration were bombing Syria and four months into it, we have insane amounts of conflict in the Middle East between the Palestinians and the Israelis. Like none of that happened under Trump. We dropped more bombs in Afghanistan, Syria, other places than Obama ever did under, under Trump. And I don't know the exact figures of all of it. I'm just saying it's another example of like giving Donald Trump credit for something that maybe, maybe he okay. did. So he new wars, great, but he kept all the other ones going. He didn't... Um, what was the other example we were just talking about? You know, oh, he had a great economy, but was that economy already on the upswing before he was there? Was he 100% responsible? Who knows? I don't know. Okay. I mean, you can say what you want, but greatest economy in the history of the world under Donald Trump, I'm sure other people inherited great economies and didn't do what he did. That was all I was saying. We're never going to agree on that. One of the one of the big things that I did want to touch on that it kind of summarizes my last two questions for you because I have a, it kind of goes back to our, our the beginning of our conversation, which is you once actually I, I think it was multiple times have criticized or come out which has appeared to be uh saying that personal development doesn't work for most people and i would love clarification on where you stand on that i mean you said that tony robbins was one of the worst events that you know you ever went to and you hated it just horrible but just my, so, so like i look at i look at personal responsibility and personal development as the single key to a great life. It is like, it is the single key. And it is the thing that if we were to instill in people, the confidence and the belief that they have the ability, no matter who you are, no matter what your circumstances, no matter at all, no matter who you are, you have the ability to go out and create a great life. If you fix yourself and you have confidence to go out and, and, and focus on personal development and take personal responsibility for your life. I 
absolutely believe that at the very, very core of who I am, probably more so than anything else in the world, borderline as much as I believe in Christianity. I mean, we're talking like this is a fundamental core of who I, what I am and what I believe, which is why I preach it so stinking strongly to why I'm like, no matter your circumstance, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying everybody starts at the same playing field, but you have the ability to go out and change your life. You have the ability to get rich. You have the ability to live a fulfilled life, have a great family, all if you fix yourself. Uh-huh. And you seem to disagree with that and say that personal responsibility does not work for everybody. That's not the answer that not everybody has the ability to go change themselves. So I think a lot of it comes down to personality. I think that some stuff is going to appeal and work for other people and not for other people. For me, Tony Robbins, anything motivational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lasers in a room, you know, uh, all this stuff. I just think it's so corny. I can't even, I can't even begin to do it. And I also think there's a really toxic, like right wing individualistic thing kind of seeping into like new age spirituality started with like, that's why I don't like Donald Trump too, like Norman Vincent Peale. And like, that's, that's his Donald Trump is a product of Norman Vincent Peale. And back then they used to talk about um, positive thinking to cure yourself of health things. And then that turned into positive thinking uh, to attract money. And like Norman Vincent Peale, I I forget the quote, but it's basically like, I don't know. If you believe it, it's true. It doesn't matter what the facts are or something like that. And Donald Trump really uh, took that. And 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 then and Donald Trump also surrounds himself with like the DeVos family. You know, they started Amway. It's all these multi-level marketing people. So a lot of the history and multi-level marketing is terrible, but they have, again, have enough money to lobby the government to make sure that that's legal. Um, but, you know, the vast majority of people in Amway don't make any money and they preach the positive thinking, personal responsibility thing. That's how they get you to sign up, you know, or that's not per, no, no, hold on, though. That's, that's, that's different. How's it different? Or like what a Sam Ovens course or something like that. Like, you know, he preaches this whole thing too. Sam Ovens is brilliant. And one of, I mean, Sam Ovens is the single best money that any single person getting entrepreneurship online could possibly spend. I've I, taken this course. I took this course right when it came out. The first one, nah, the lumpy male one back in the day. And no, was, I'm talking about his consulting accelerator. And I, his okay, I've consulting. seen it all, Josh. I've taken it. I own them both and they're amazing and they've made me tons of I money. do too, but I do too. And it works for me. Okay, but like, let's yeah, go back to what percentage are talking about Amway. Gosh, what people, what percentage of people who bought Sam Ovens course actually made money? What Very percentage of Sam, people that bought Sam Ovens course followed every single step exactly. in Sam Ovens course and actually didn't get a result? Zero. Exactly. Zero exactly. people that went all the way through his course. Zero. Right. People that right. actually did every step did not make money. Every right. single one of them that actually did every step made money. Right. And that's how these guys get away with it because they can have a super, super low success rate and a super, super expensive program and just say, well, whoever didn't work for it, they weren't taking action. And on the one hand, they're kind of right, but there's also a million. And, and yeah, I guess at the end of the day, the responsibility is on the person who bought this course. But, you know, I just think that this positive thinking stuff doesn't necessarily work for everybody and <clears throat> w doesn't work for no, no, me. No, 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 no. The way I that it is presented. You do, Josh, waking up so early, getting so much done, making a to-do list, having all this stuff. I couldn't do that. Like, unless I had an Adderall prescription, I couldn't even I, be close. But that like, works for me. Right. And it doesn't but work for me. But because, the principles and, upon and, which I live by work for everybody universally. Not, not the principle of waking up early. Not the principle of making a to-do list. But the principles of you have the ability to create, you have the ability to make your own choices, and that you have the ability to recreate your identity. Like those principles of understanding that that your identity 
when you study mindset and when you study personal development, you understand that your identity controls absolutely everything that you do in life. If you do not see yourself as a rich person, you will never be rich. It is impossible. Your identity will self-sabotage you because your identity controls your subconscious mind, which controls up to 90% of all your actions, thoughts, and beliefs. So if I go and say, hey, listen, if I literally just reprogram who I am, I'm not talking about how network marketers sell it. Listen, I think a lot of network marketers are, are, I mean, network marketing companies suck. I don't think they're all bad, right? I have friends that are network marketers that do great, right? But like overall- I what you're saying with Josh, and I agree with that stuff. I'm just against selling high ticket programs, targeting people that are really struggling, selling them a dream, having but them- That's not what you're saying. You, what you've been criticizing right. me for is my, my pre, uh, me presenting personal development and confidence as the solution to the world's problems when it is. And I will say that if you, it, the way that it pre is presented could be bad. And perhaps that's, you know, the big problem with a lot of what we're talking about here, whether it's politics or money or social programs or whatever, but the way that it is presented through a network marketing company, if you're selling it as, Hey, in order to make be stupid rich, you just got to will it to be or manifest to be that's BS It's woo woo BS fluffy crap. No, I'm talking about the actual science, the actual science of personal development. There's an art and most people sell the art. I'm talking about the actual science of personal development. There is no one in the world that it doesn't work for. Not a single person. If Josh, you I know it all. I've done it all. I owe a lot of my success to it. I'm not against it, but I'm against it. Well, you haven't done it all. I haven't done I've it. done a lot. No, not, not all of it, but I've taken a lot of courses. I've had expensive mindset coaches. Like I've done all this type of stuff before. Like I understand and it's helped me as well, um, but not nearly as much as like my free meditation apps have helped me or, you know, other things that I think are just more conducive to my personality. So I agree. Do I you agree. believe, do you believe that meditation helps and works? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. personal development, right? Taking so I, time to work on yourself. Yeah. Josh, of, of course. Why would I say I don't agree with personal development? That would mean I, well, I don't know. That's what you've said on my timeline multiple times. I'm so confused when you're like, that doesn't work for 99% of people. I'm like, no, it works for a hundred percent of people that actually go through and put in the work. I guess what I'm saying is that I don't like the way that you, again, to me, is that I think you're too much of a black and white thinker and you separate things into binary, either or this or that. I don't think when you say that personal development and responsibility is a solution to all the world's problems, I don't agree with that. I think that you should teach everyone personal development, but we should also make sure that we have public schools that are better. We should also make sure that people- I agree are, so too. That teach personal in, development. In Our public schools should just teach personal development, math and writing and reading. That's literally it. Everything uh, else should no, be- all that's, No, that's not it. That would be good to make a bunch of people cogs in the capitalist wheel where all they think life is about is creating value. But everything else should be voluntary. If I want to learn science, I should have the option to go learn science from a school. I shouldn't be required. You should be- yeah, you should probably should. You should be required to learn math because it helps your critical thinking. You yeah. should be required to take logic. You should be required to read hit to learn history so that you have some context about what the hell is going on in the world. You should be uh, made to read the classics and read literature so that you can get you know perspectives on what different cultures and different places in time are like. How Western thought evolved through time. You should learn religion so that you understand you know, the different options, different ways people believe. I think you should learn lots of stuff. I am such an advocate of a liberal arts education. Uh, I think the idea of just going to school to learn personal development so you can start a business is- No, yeah. not to start a business, not to start a business, personal development so that you know that you can heal yourself from traumas and that you can go through and have the ability to become the person that you want to become. And if you need to study history, you have the ability to go and become the person necessary to do that. When you-, you 
I promise you that teaching children personal response or personal development and that uh, teaching them how their brain works and teaching them how their mind works and teaching them their the, how their emotions work is far more important than the periodic table or learning about Pharaoh, right? Like it just is right now. I don't think those things are not important, but I think that, that, that the, like teaching someone the, the, the basics of how they can change their life is, is, is significantly more important than 95% of what is taught in school. And I also believe that money runs the world and we can argue back and forth about rich people, poor people, this or whatever. Right. But at the end of the day, if you teach people about money, if you actually taught people about how money worked and how money is all fake, it's not real. It's just debt. And you want to know how the rich pay money in taxes? It's because they finance everything. So you don't have to pay taxes on finances. So if you taught them about credit and you taught them about credit scores and you taught them about how to take out loans and you talk about how to pay taxes and you talk about non-refundable or not non, you know, you know, debt that you can't foreclose or um, go bankrupt. If you taught them about these things, guess what? People would be so much better off because then when they wanted to go learn about history or they wanted to go learn about science or they wanted to go learn about any of these other topics that are important to them, they could do it without having to worry about, oh my gosh, I literally have $0 in my bank account right now and I have $100,000 in debt from a useless education, right? And so it's like, don't teach people voluntary stuff that they can go learn. Teach them the fundamental principles that they must have in order to succeed. And that is personal development, that is math, that is reading, that is writing, and that is a massive amount of focus on personal development, how your mind works and how emotions work. I'm not going to disagree with that. But what I, again, I guess my criticism is that you make it an either or where it's like you either teach people personal development or you teach them that they're just going to sit around and wait for the government to, to, to fix them. And I don't think it's that. I believe that the end result is victim mentality or, or like, I believe that there is either personal people that are focused on personal development or there's people that are not. And I believe that if you are not focused no, on personal development. That's what I completely disagree. No, 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 no. There is. That is true, though. That is a true statement. How is that? You said what? People either There is either people that are focused on personal development, right? And that know how personal development works and everything like that. Uh-huh. Or there are people that are not. Now, there are many versions of not. But if you're not focusing on the opposite of, of personal development is not personal development. And I believe that any road that is not focused. Now, this 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 part here is my belief. How do you explain people like me that are leftists that are deeply involved in personal development? Right. You're focused on personal development. Right. So, so you're, either you're, either, you're either focused on personal development and you and I would fall into that same category of people that are focused on personal development. Right. Or there's people that are not. And I'm saying people that are not focused on personal development, meaning they do not have any desire or teaching or training or education on how to become a better human being, how to better themselves in their lives, that that type of person is going to end up a victim, feeling like a victim and acting like it, even if they're not, or is going to end up taking things, being just a, hey, I, everybody owes me something. And how are they going to learn, learn personal development? By us actually going out there and teaching personal development. By exactly. Us-, us creating an opportunity for other people because it's not all their responsibility. Courses. We're all- training, education, content, no, go coaching. To the, go to the high school down the street and teach people. We don't need to be selling $5,000 coaching programs. That's not all we need to be doing. I, I don't do think more work in my- not all we're doing. There's, there's insane amounts of freak. I learned more from the, the $12 book, Psycho-Cybernetics, than I did from almost- any two to three or four thousand dollar program, right? Like I'm saying, we should. I guess be- on your post, the reason I find them annoying is because you're always just saying 
people need to take more responsibility. People need personal development, but you don't really tell people, you don't really give that many tips on personal development. You're absolutely right. And that like the other day you were saying like, truth is hard, truth is this. And I almost commented like, so share a hard truth. Just saying truth is hard in general is like saying nothing almost. Okay. So right now, the stage of where I'm at in my life, and this is a great point you brought up. The stage that I'm at in my life, my business right now is focused on three to $10 million clients that some of these are six-figure contracts. And you know what? Once that is up, the next branch of Think Different Theory is actually creating curriculum around mindset and personal development, all these things. And we're going to bring it to the masses. And we're going to have free programs and $1,000 programs and $50,000 coaching. I don't, I don't know what the price point is going to be. Just make, the free one, just make sure the free one's good. It's not just a lead magnet. No, no. And if you go right now, like right now, I have a, right now I have a, 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 a mind shift. It's called the Mindship Playbook. It's been downloaded, I think it's like 2,400, 24, 2,500 times. Okay. There are no ups. There's no upsells. There's no upsells in the follow-up. There's no upsells any, like if you go in there right now, there's not a single thing that it will be sold to you in any of our follow-up sequences on the upsell page. Nothing is hundred percent free. The only thing we ask for is name and email. That is it, right? I and love that's it. been downloaded 3000 times. And that is a 76 page document or thing that has five different parts. It has trainings. It has videos. It has homework. Like this is stuff that I've learned from a $60,000 mindset coach that I have put together and that I have created that is 100% for free that people can go to right now and get. And so like, it is really good stuff and good information. So yes, some of them, I have great. You could use that more in your posts instead of just making these blanket statements about how you're right. I, I should. You're I should absolutely do that. I should you know? use those things more. But sometimes so, it feels like you're just complaining, which I find interesting because you're so against victim mindset, but yet most I, of your, I complain your when the government takes away people's personal freedoms or ability to think for themselves. I complain when the media that, and the does that create victim mindset? No, I'm telling you that this is a terrible, horrible thing and that you should turn off the BS stupid media. So why, how come when I talk about like, you know, wealth inequality or systemic racism, all of a sudden that's people in victim mindset. But when you're complaining about the government, that's not, doesn't create victim mindset. What's the difference? I'm, I'm saying that if you're telling people that the reason that they are not successful is because of systemic racism, that that is a problem. No, I'm no, not that's not, but that's not what it is, Josh. When you read people, when you read, maybe when you read some, you know, garbage stuff like white fragility or whatever, um, it's going to come out that way, but when or you critical that, race theory, well, the thing is, it's funny about critical race theory is that I went to grad school and I never had to read it. And most people that I know don't read it. That's the other thing I think is funny is that conservatives always talk about how the left has, has, uh, gotten into the academia to brainwash the kids. That's just so not true. If you're like a self-proclaimed Marxist, you can't even get a job in a college or a grad school. And like, I, you know, when I go, when I went to school, when you get a good liberal arts education, they don't tell you what to believe. They teach, they don't tell, tell you what to think. They teach you how to think. And the fact that a lot of the um, students that come that out is, of that is, complete, that is absolutely incorrect. That is completely, today's colleges and universities and grad schools, they have, it is the highest ever in history of liberal professors compared to conservative professors. It's some like 40 or something to one. You know what percentage of professors in colleges are black? I don't know. Two to three. Okay, so two to three percent of college, then we we should have more black professors. That's great, but I don't think that somebody's I don't think that somebody's viewpoint should be a or color of their skin or viewpoint should be whether or not they get accepted. That's neither here nor there. But my point in saying this was that college today is literally not like oh they're kind of it is literally brainwashing people to become liberals. It is actually college. 
What? No, I have I have two different sisters in college right now, and my sister calls me all the time. How all of her professors are completely liberal that tell her she's wrong all the time on when on her capitalistic ideas and on her personal development ideas. I have friends that are in college Where right now. I have, what? What kind of school does she go to? Uh, she goes to. Um, Gosh, where does she go? She's in Indiana. She's um, she's going to. She wants to go to Purdue Law School. That's weird. Know. That's weird to me. It should be criticized. I would never criticize all the time. My other sister is out in Colorado. I have tremendous amount of friends, or not tremendous amount. I have multiple friends that I grew up with who went to school. And while I was working in entrepreneurship, they went to college, and all they would do is come back and be like, "Oh my gosh, dude, Josh, you'd hate my professor." All they do is talk about, you know, how capitalism sucks and these different things. I quit college. Because my professor spent the entire first, my, my quitting story of college was me getting up. My professor and I were arguing, and this is like halfway through the, my semester, was my professor telling me how horrible capitalism was and how, how uh, Republican and right-wing ideas are terrible and how America will be the demise of the, of the world. America will be the demise of the world. And halfway through the, uh, the thing, I'm like, you're wrong. And he's like, well, you need college to be a professor, you know, successful or whatever. And I'm like, I don't need college to be successful. I don't need these liberal ideologies. And he looked at me and he goes, why are you here? And I'm like, you know what? This is a great point. I have no idea. So I stood up, threw my laptop in my backpack, went out and quit and never went back. Right. I'm sorry you had, I'm sorry you had such bad teachers. It's not the case everywhere. You know? But like, that's a majority of them. I don't that's think that's another logic thing we have to be careful of. We have to be careful of not taking a handful of our anecdotal stories and extrapolating from that, that that's the norm. We need to look at data. So I don't have the data in front of me, but the data is like, it's like, I just listened to like a, a podcast the other day. It's like, right. Or I mean, a book the other day, you should read the coddling of, of the American mind. Um, it's like some right now, I don't know. It's like, tw like 27 or 37 to one liberal professors to, to conservative professors. But we also need to be careful again about these labels because every leftist that I read talks about how much they hate wokeism and stuff all the time. Like half of the critiques that you have of the left of liberals or whatever you want to call them, liberals have of liberals. I mean, like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've I, I actually think when it comes to like read him or Glenn Greenwald or I think your biggest anybody uh, actually will we'll end with your biggest criticism of me. I think my two, my, the two things I don't understand about you or that my biggest criticism is, is number one, it seems as though, and I'm learning that this is not entirely the case, but I'm learning that, uh, uh, like you seem to be, let's say that the government is going to be the solution to a lot of the issues. And I'm like, I think the government is terrible on every single issue that they've ever been involved with in the history of mankind outside of Ironically, I don't understand how our road systems are so good in America. That's something that I'm still trying to figure out. If that was a leftist thing, I'll be falling apart soon. Sure. I'll get, but anyway, I think the road system in America is great. Other than that, they, they're horrible. And I would say the second thing is, is I, I, I do not understand your criticism of, and it sounds like it's just misrepresented. And maybe these are stories in my mind, but like, I don't understand how personal development isn't the answer to every single solution in the world. It just is. If you make people better, if you make people taking personal responsibility for their life, if they ask what they can, they, how can I contribute more than I can take? How can I go and create a better environment for those around me? How can I fix myself rather than blaming others? If I, we were to teach every single person that the world would be not just a different place, a radically different place that wouldn't even be close. And I believe that the brainwashing of the media, which is all, all controlled by the left, 90 something, you know, 90% of, of a media is, is controlled by left or elite. And, and I, by the way, I hate Fox news too. I'm not saying that Fox news is the answer. I think Fox news, I watched Fox news the other day and they're horrible. They are horrible. Like I, I literally got on there. I, I was I like, watch, Oh my gosh, watch who watches it. this. I'm all media, all mainstream media, TV, both right and left. I believe the brainwashing and the fear driven tactics of them 
And I believe um, uh, that the the po uh, policies of the left are destroying the country or of the I'm sorry, of the extreme of the extreme left, not not the left. I don't believe your policies are. I will commend you for uh, learning more about the fact that you believe that people should be involved in their communities. I think that that is phenomenal. Um, you know, I think that my my way of doing that is obviously I would say the church, which we're not going to go into that topic. And yours is, you know, through the what do you call it, the Socialist Party of New York. Well, I mean, churches too. Yeah. All the, all the, I mean, there's tons of liberal social justice churches. I'm not a Christian, right. but I'm involved with them in the city too, because they're Perfect. the ones that are doing free lunch programs and everything else. And, and I believe that that is the, that is the actual answer. I just believe the government should stay out of it. And it seems to me as though my big thing are get the government out and teach personal responsibility. And you seem to be like the government should be involved here, 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 here. And personal responsibility doesn't work for most people. So let's not teach it. And I'm like, well, yeah, well, hopefully after this conversation, you realize that's not what I think. I think that personal responsibility is important. I think we should teach it to people. I think that the left is not anti-personal development at all. And I think that the policies of the Democrats are not the policies of leftists, actual leftists. Um, and I think that, yeah, there's just a lot of there's a lot of middle ground, I think. And I think that when we oversimplify and stereotype each other into these groups, uh, it's very easy to. Uh, feel like there's not middle ground or there's, you know, if somebody is the enemy or the opposition as opposed to somebody that, that we can work with. I mean, I think if you and I were on like some community board together, we would probably get along just fine and agree on most of like the actual um, policies. But, you know, when you're listening all day to Ben Shapiro shit on leftists or Candace Owens talk about how crazy we are, then it just makes it, it just makes you less, uh, less likely, I guess, to have a conversation with your liberal friends about, about where you agree. I agree with that. Um, and I think that that's just super important. Well, I, I, I believe that listening, to, I'm, I actually really like Ben Shapiro, but like, yes, I, I understand what you're trying to get across with that argument. So, yeah. uh, Justin, this was amazing. I had a blast. Um, I actually learned, I actually learned uh, quite a bit about you. Um, I want to end with a, a final question for you here, which would be what, what is your, if you were to summarize your critique of me into a sentence or two, what would be your biggest critique of, of me? And my I, think, viewpoint? I think that the way you talk about personal development <clears throat> makes it sometimes sound as if it's contrary to other more social projects. And that becomes problematic because it turns all societal problems into individual problems you know oh there's a hurricane that comes should the government come in and help those people or should we just say you know what it's your responsibility to figure out how to get get off your roof in the flooded neighborhood i think that we can have both i think that we can have um better government and again it's hard i'm not just saying bigger government because our government is super corrupt but you know if we can have better government and institute some social safety nets so that people aren't in such abject poverty in the richest country in history. Um, I think that that would be great. And I think that we can do that and also teach personal development. I don't think it's an either or. And I think that my biggest criticism of you is sometimes you make it sound like things are too black and white. You're either this or you're this. And I think that there is room for both because life is super complicated. And as you said in the beginning, there's a lot of gray area. All right. I appreciate that. Justin, thank you so much for your time, for coming on here. I'm sure we'll do it again at some point. Um, yeah, man. Thanks for your time. Anytime. Thanks, buddy.
All right, guys, as always, hustle, hustle, God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because those of us that think different are going to be the ones that change the world. I love you all. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this interview. Take it easy, man. Peace. Thanks, Josh.